Nothing But The Words, episode number 76, writing a book that competes with the best. Welcome to Nothing But The Words, the podcast that gives you everything you need to know to write a phenomenal book. Now here's your host, your author coach, Candace L. Davis. Hey there, and welcome to Nothing But The Words. I'm your author coach, Candace L. Davis. I hope your week and your writing are both going well. So I've just returned from a retreat for the board members of a nonprofit organization I serve. And while the organization is focused on creating jobs for the people who need them most, we spend a lot of time talking about books. One of my friends there wondered whether you should write a book if you think someone else already owns the category of the book you want to write. And my answer was a very clear yes. In this episode, I want to tell you why it doesn't matter if someone else owns the topic, owns in quotation marks, of course. (laughs) You cannot see me doing air quotes right now. In this episode, I want to tell you why it doesn't matter if someone else owns the topic you want to write about, why that can actually be a good thing, and how to use it to your advantage. First, let's start with the fact that just because you think an author owns a category, doesn't mean they are actually dominating it. Some people look like they're the thought leader of choice on a topic because they know how to market themselves really well and they are putting themselves and their book out there. But sometimes out there is only in front of a specific community. So while you may know this author as a phenomenal leader on this particular topic, other people may not. So pay attention to the communities that you're spending time in, particularly online, and who appears to be the thought leader, the author of choice there, and whether or not their reach expands beyond that particular area. Now, don't get me wrong. There are certain people who definitely come to mind when I think of a subject and they are not limited to my community. For example, when I think of habits, James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, and B.J. Fogg, who wrote Tiny Habits, definitely come to mind. There's also another book, The Power of Habits, I believe. I can't remember the author's name, but that one comes to mind as well. These two are just more recent. These two gentlemen are huge in their field, right? They're big in this category. Atomic Habits, Check this out. Atomic Habits has been on the New York Times bestseller list for something crazy like 96 weeks right now. (laughs) That's almost two years on the bestseller list. And honestly, I would say it deserves that time. It's a great book. So why should anyone else write a book about habits? If you're thinking about writing a book about habits and you're looking at the bestseller list and you're seeing this one guy is dominating, he's been on there for almost two years with his book, why would you then write a book on this subject? And this can happen in any area, right? It could be personal finance, it could be weight loss, it could be health, it could be goal achievement, whatever it is, there could be someone who seems to like hold down your niche. So let's talk about why you should go ahead and write that book. Start with the fact that Mr. Clear's success is an obvious indicator that people have a deep interest in this subject. Some percentage of people who bought his book are also going to look for other books on habits. That's what readers do. They read multiple books on the same subject. And let's be honest, most people will not get 100% of the results they want from the first book they read. Atomic Habits is an amazing book. I have probably applied about 
10% of what I learned from that book. And some would say, I didn't really learn it or I would have applied more. But my point is that readers who buy one book on the topic are often looking for other books. Their lack of results might be a problem of failing to implement, but the bottom line is if they don't get those results, they will continue to look for another resource. And even sometimes when they do, they just want another perspective. In the early years of my writing career, I probably bought and read more than two dozen books on writing, and I still buy and read books on writing. In the last decade, I've read no less than 20 books on healthy eating. I want a variety of perspectives so I can figure out what works best for me and for my family. One of those books hitting bestseller status did not stop me from buying the other books. One of those authors seeming to dominate the category did not stop me from looking for other authors who have different opinions and perspectives on the same topic. Finding a book that seems like the go-to resource in your field can be intimidating. I totally get that. You might think you shouldn't bother writing your book because this person has already said everything that needs to be said, but that would be your mind trying to protect you from the possibility of failure. And in this case, your mind is overprotective. (laughs) Some people will read that go-to book and still want more. And for other people, the go-to book won't even resonate. They won't even buy it. Or if they buy it, they won't read it. They won't connect with it, won't think it's for them won't be excited about it, will be looking for something else. That something else might be exactly what you bring to the discussion with your book. So if I were coaching a client who wanted to write a book on habits, a category that seems to be totally owned by these authors, here's what I would say. Take a sheet of paper or a document and divide it into two sections. Same on one side, different on the other side. That's how you label them. Read these two most popular books on habits. Read them all the way through. And as you read, take note in detail of your thoughts and opinions on these authors' philosophies and recommendations. Note what you agree with and what you disagree with. Note where your processes are different. They may be completely different or they may be similar, but it's important that you're aware of where you you align with these authors and where you differ from their thoughts and opinions and processes. Note where your experience is different from these authors' experiences and where it's similar. By experience, I mean all of your experience, including your education, your experimentation, your professional life, like coaching clients around habits in this case, and your personal experience in creating helpful habits or eliminating habits that no longer serve you. Some of your experience boils down to your basic demographics. That could include your gender identity, sexual orientation, neurodiversity, ethnicity, religion, or spiritual practice, or whatever you believe makes your experience in the world unique to you. Now, I can promise you my experience living in America as a Black woman is different from B.J. Fogg's experience and James Clear's experience, these two gentlemen living in America, not as Black women. Some readers want to learn about a topic like habits or a topic like personal finance or weight loss or whatever the thing is from someone who has a background similar to their own because they feel more understood by or connected with the author who's more like them. Now, let's not take this to extremes, right? Demographically, I don't have a lot in common with James Clear. I still read and loved his book. (laughs) So doesn't mean you're excluding anyone based on your demographics. You're just looking at where your story differs from this other author's story. Even if you and the authors at the top of your category have a lot in common on the surface level of your demographics, 
say you're all straight, white, cis, married, non-religious women with children. I guarantee you there are still some differences between them and you. Dig a little deeper. Where did you grow up? How did you grow up? What are your core values? Do you have a spiritual practice that influences your work? What are your personal interests that you might use in examples or anecdotes in your book? Trust me, there are differences between you and that dominating author. You also want to pay attention to the objective of the other author's book. So what result are they trying to create for their readers? And what results do you want to create? Where are they the same and where do they differ? Who are these authors talking to and who will you intentionally reach with your book? Because their perfect reader is probably not the same as your one perfect reader. How do they present their material and how can you present yours differently? Your book does not have to be completely different from the other books on the same topic. It's almost impossible that it will be, right? If you're writing a book on leadership, some of the basics of great leadership are going to be the same. If you're writing a memoir, there's a better than average chance that you and every other author in your category had some successes and some failures, overcame some obstacles, and experienced heartbreak and elation along the way. You'll have that in common. If you're writing as a subject matter expert, you and the other subject matter experts are probably going to cover some of the same points. When you write a more prescriptive book like personal development or professional development, you will probably have some overlap in your processes. That's fine. That's to be expected. It's up to you, though, even with those similarities, to make your book stand out in a crowded field to make sure your book can compete with the book that's dominating in your category. By compete, I just mean it needs to be different. It needs to reach people in a different way. You have everything you need to make sure your book is different and it can compete with a book that seems to be dominating your category. That's all for this week's episode, my friends. For more writing tips and inspiration, follow me on Instagram at Candace L. Davis. Thanks for listening to Nothing But The Words. I'm your author coach, Candace L. Davis, and I'll see you next time. 